You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So we're going to do just a quick introduction, and then I'm going to turn it over to our friends. But um, So I'm Bethany Rushing, the Director of Mission and Outreach, and this past fall I had the opportunity to travel with global teams to three different countries, one of them being Malawi. So I traveled with Cheryl Shaw, who is the North American Director of Global Teams, which basically means this is one of her jobs. She has several other jobs within the church and all that stuff. But um, but part of her job as North American director is any any person from North America that is sent out to any other part of the world, she helps lead, guide, train, check in with, all of those things. And so we got to visit some of the people that she had worked with who are now serving in other countries. And then we also got to spend some time with Francis. And Francis is um, a, a longtime friend of the Advent. Um, we first became friends with him, I think, around 15 years ago when he was still in seminary in Uganda. Um, and so through that... Um, Francis has gotten married, had a family, and continued in ministry in just really remarkable ways. And the Lord has blessed his work and given him favor with people that he's ministered to. And so I was able to spend time with Francis, get to visit his family and some of our other ministry partners. Um, and so one of the things that is, um, that's key to Global Teams, um, the way they, they implement their vision is through Bible study. And so um, Cheryl and Francis are both very gifted um, teachers of the Bible, and so today they're going to look at Acts 17 with us. Mm -hmm. So if you want to even pull it up on your phone, if you don't have your Bible, you can go ahead and do that. Um, but I'm going to open I'm going to open us in prayer. Um, oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your steadfastness, your faithfulness, um, that you're unchanging, although we are in a sea of many changes, Lord. And so um, we thank you for, um, for calling us to be ministers of your gospel, Lord. And we thank you for equipping Cheryl and Francis, and we ask that you be with them as they open up your word. Um, to us today. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And what time do we leave? So we leave at 50. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to clip this, you're not. I feel like, I feel like Bethany left off a really important thing that you guys would really be blessed by knowing. <clears throat> that is, while we're in Malawi, we visited a farm that Francis has started. Now, in the long term, it's going to be um, a farm that's used in teaching development, agricultural development techniques, watering techniques, um, it's going to teach some animal husbandry. And so he's got small projects already starting. Um, but while we were there, Bethany has a cow named after her now. <laughs> I named it. <laughs> and surprisingly, she named it Bethany. <laughs> so I just feel like there's also one named Cheryl, but that's beside the point. <laughs> so thought you would want to know that. Okay, so starting at verse 16 in Acts 17. One of the things that we do as global teams is um, we work really hard at how do we walk along, because we specialize in unreached people groups. So how do we walk along and introduce people to God, to Jesus' Son, to the Holy Spirit? How do we do this without bringing in my church and my culture as I do it? Really hard to do because we just don't recognize our own culture. And so as we look at Scripture... One of the things that happens is if we study scripture together and the Holy Spirit is revealing truth to you as you read it, and is revealing truth to me as we read it, if we share that with each other, one of the very first things you learn about God is that this is a living God. 
that he interacts with you and that he can show you truth, that this is a God that you can learn from and that you can follow. And they were probably previously serving a God that did not do that. So it's why one of the reasons scripture study is so important to us. And so what I would love for you to do is to, uh, the first thing is, I know I'm probably going to make you crazy, because I want to I put you in small groups and have you read the scripture to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm sorry. I'm already ki- only kind of sorry, though. All right? <laughs> so who has scripture available on your phones or on some kind of device that you could use to read it? Can I get you to gather just small groups around those people? And if you'll kind of share and read that scripture out loud to each other, we'll get through the chapter first, starting 17, starting at verse 16. And you're going to go through the end. 16 through what? Acts 17. 17, Acts 17, starting at verse 16 to the end of that chapter. Now, as you listen to those reading, I want you just to to listen to see if you hear anything new anything that catches you as you hear this but you have to pretend for a second that you haven't heard this story before you can move your chairs around yeah yeah i'm so yeah i know see welcome to missions (laughs) i know i messed up your whole system (laughs) really don't it's good to have the different versions all right let's go some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also and some said, we tell you, what is this about the world? And others because he was preaching to Jesus and the resurrection, and they took him and brought him to the area saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Will you bring some strange things to our ears? We wish to know that there were these things Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling <laughs> so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as I own, is I proclaim to God, the God who made the world and everything in it. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for God, even we live, and therefore have our faith. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being all God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like God, for 
silver or silver and I'm in the arms of the art of imagining all the things that lie in the times of ignorance God over and a woman named Neris, or Neris, and others with one of them. He was a member of the Ariadnes. A woman named Neris. All I'm going to keep us moving because we don't have much time. Go ahead and stay in your small groups. We'll just do a little discussion here and we'll kind of go back and forth from here. Now, one of the reasons we're doing it like this because if you're in the field with us, quite often, if you're in a large group, you only have a few Bibles on hand. You only have the scripture available in a few places. So this is exactly how you would study it. You would get together, you would get circles, and you would have the person who has it to read it. In a lot of places, the ones that don't have it are writing it down word for word as you go through it so that they have it to take it home with them. So I just wanted you to have and know and understand that experience. The next time you get a small group, you'll think of that and you'll pray for those people that don't have the Word of God in their language yet, that are writing it and putting it in the pockets and taking it home. I think it's an awesome thing. So as you as you're listening to this, as you're look as you're hearing this, now you're picturing yourself. You've come in. You're, in Are- you're on Areopagus. You're on the hill where all the wonderful philosophers love to argue, love to talk it out. This is, this is fun for them. And <clears throat> you've walked around the city, and your job is, Lord, 
Where are you? Or you at work amongst these people? How do I even begin this conversation? What do you see in what he says? What do you notice? Did you guys notice anything about what he said or didn't say? Well, he starts off by complimenting them. Starts off by complimenting them. That's hard to do because if I walk into a city in um, outside of New Delhi and I'm surrounded by these Hindu temples, it's very easy to focus on what's different or wrong, right? That's what he did. He starts off with a compliment. And he goes to the very heart of who they are. What does he compliment? They are religious people. You are very religious people. What are you going to go? Why, well, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, glad we you are. Yeah, I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> now, you might not love how they're practicing religion, but look at that. What does it tell you about who these are as a people? If they're already very religious people, what do you know about them from the very beginning? They're seeking. Yeah. They're already seeking. So instead of seeing all these gods as a hindrance, all of a sudden, what if you stepped back and you found an open door? <coughs> what else do you see in what he says? And Francis, you can jump in, jump up. <laughs> <open> <laughs> What else do you notice in what he says and doesn't say? I heard lots of comments. I know y'all were already delving into it. This is kind of implicit, but it says, the next line is, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. So there was a lot of sort of listening prior to the talking and the engagement. Yeah. There was a lot of observing and listening. A lot of observing and listening. A really key, key skill. If If I'm sending you into the field full time, which, by the way, I am. Your field is right here in Birmingham. Your first job for the entire first year you're in a place, Bethany had to do this coming here, had to learn language and culture at your place, right? Mm -hmm. And so their whole first year is language and culture and prayer walking. They're walking the city, they're making observations, and they're writing in a notebook, where do I see God at work? And that's all they're doing. No brilliant ideas, no projects. For a year, observing and listening and writing down, where do I see God at work? The same assignment I would give you here. So this is what Paul is doing, right? He was walking the city and seeing who are they as a people, what's important to them, and where do I see God at work? And, and Paul, he's a studied guy. He's a great one to have in this position because he happens to understand the Greek form of argument, that it has to follow an exact pattern, and he's following it until the end when he gets cut off. In fact, he gets cut off because he skips a step in Greek argument. It has to be a very logical sequence, and he talked about the resurrection of the dead without talking about someone dying. Oops. <laughs> like, cut him off. The minute you skip a step in Greek argument, you're done. You have to follow the rules. You have to follow the form. A lot of observation to learn that kind of stuff. You might have heard a phrase in here that just stood out to you as good Episcopalians. What phrase might you have heard over and over in liturgy? 
and who we live and move and have our being. And we gravitate to that phrase. We go, yes. Do you know who wrote that phrase originally? Philosopher called Epimenides. Do you know who it was written about? Zeus. It wasn't written about our God at all. What did Paul do then? He took this phrase written about this other God. And is he saying Zeus is the right God? No. What is he saying? Why use this phrase? What is he saying to them as a people? They're bits of truth you can find almost anywhere. Yeah. And what else is he saying? He said, you've got a bit of it. This Mm -hmm. is a true phrase. What else is he saying? Well, they thought it was a foreign teaching that he was bringing in. Uh So to them, that said, okay, that domesticated it, right? You already have, we already, you, we, he's used the word we, we live and move and have our being already. And God placed you in this place at this time, the same God that you don't even know about is still working in your life. He put you here so that you would seek and maybe find them. What else is he telling you by using these phrases that are about Zeus, but he uses it? So you have a little bit of the truth. This phrase is true, but who is it true about? The most important part. Yeah. But in so you have a little bit, this is true. Let me tell you the rest of the truth. I don't need to sit down and tell you all the ways you're wrong, because who cares? Let's start by where is God at work? What has he shown you? And then let me walk with you as you learn the rest of the truth. This is a true phrase. But it's true about the God that can't be contained in your buildings. How can you create these worship spaces to contain a God that created you and put you in this place at this time? Logically. So some of the things that he says and doesn't say. What do you notice, this group noticed, that he kind of skipped something that we usually start right off with? The name Jesus. The name Jesus. A better mind one time said, why? Why do we always start with the story of Jesus if someone doesn't know anything about God? Why do we always start in the middle of the story? Where does he start? With what they know. If you want to, in your off time, (laughs) go back and kind of compare how Peter preaches in Acts 2 and look at how he starts, because he'll start with the prophet Joel. (coughs) Why? He's talking to all these Jews who have come together. He starts with Joel and then goes straight into Jesus, because he doesn't need to go back and fill in all these blanks, does he? They already know all this background, but we're not. In Jerusalem, we're in Athens. <laughs> they know lots of gods. And so just, uh, I'll cheat and give you a bit of history just so you have it. And I'm going to tag make Francis say things because it's not like going to be this quiet. I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> Usually you would have interrupted me at least 10 times by now. <laughs> um, this altar to the unknown God 
If you've ever read the book, the book Eternity in Their Hearts, he tells you the background story of it. Because Epimenides, that he took those phrases from, was famous for years and years and years before being brought to Athens because of a terrible, terrible plague that was going throughout the city, a sickness. And they appealed to the sky to say, hey, we hear you're, you can, you're good at these kinds of things. And he talked about there is a God that we don't know, that's beyond our knowing or understanding. This is so terrible that he would be the only one that could intervene in this. And so he, they literally built an altar to this unknown <coughs> God and put it on Mars Hill on Areopagus. And he did a test. He had everyone bring sheep. And those that laid down and those that stood is how they separated out the sheep. They were deciding who would eat the grass and who wouldn't eat the grass. And they would sacrifice the ones that... And it was a test to see, you know, would this God... If he, is he a living God? Does he pick perfect sheep for his sacrifice? That kind of stuff. He did. And they sacrificed to this unknown God on this altar saying, we don't know who you are, but if you would intervene anyway. And the plague stopped. That's where that altar came from. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. that all those years later, and that, that Paul uses phrases that that same guy wrote about the wrong God. Thank you so much, Fistri. I would like to say thank you again uh, to the parishioners of the Church of Advent for being part of the ministry in Malawi and me personally uh, because of the many things that you have done. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate And also thank you, Cheryl for being a wonderful leader uh, in North America. But also thank you, Bethany, for uh, being part of all this uh, ministry. We really appreciate uh, Just to say something, uh, to add on what he said, uh, she said, sorry, uh, in this world, there's no school where you go and learn how to eat or that we eat when we come into this world. The spirit is from above. When a kid is born, the same day that kid will start eating through the mother. In this world, there is no school where you go and study that, hey, you are in this world, we, we build relationships, we make friends. It's just there. Uh, in this world, there is no school where you go and learn that we worship God here. I want to talk about the three things. The spirit to eat is from above. But the question is, what do we eat? When a child is born, struggles, the child thinks everything can be eaten. It's up to the parent to say, hey, 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 wait a minute. We don't eat this. We eat this. We don't eat this. We eat that. It's the same with friendship. It need someone to tell us healthy relationships, ben beneficial relationships, good relationships, but it's natural for someone to build relationships. But what kind of people do we build relationship with? That's the most important thing. It's the same with worshipping. There is no human heart that is vacuum. 
we all worship something. It's the same with our colleagues here in Athens. They were worshipping something. Their hearts were not empty. But the issue is they were not worshipping the living God. That's the challenge here. I will relate this to the uh, ministry that we are involved in, in the field out there. We have our friends, fellow human beings, who are worshipping the unknown God. It's our responsibility to build relationships with them, to share Christ with them, the good news with them, starting from where they already know to the unknown areas where they are not aware, the love of Christ. So what I can say is that the unknown God the altar, the inscription on the altar provided an opportunity for Paul to share the gospel. It's an open door. That's where he started. After observing, going around the city, after uh, seeing, going into the, into the temple, looking at the unknown God, it provided an opportunity. It's exactly what we do in the field out there. We don't condemn people. We don't criticize people. We observe. We listen. We build relationships. From there, we are able to engage them for them to know the true God, for them to know the true Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot say everything but this passage is very, very special in the sharing of the gospel. These people were filled with philosophical thoughts. They thought they knew a lot. But here we are. Paul just picked an opportunity and was able to share the word of God. So it's the same with you and I. We are missionaries. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8. God, our Lord Jesus Christ clearly said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you be my witnesses. From where? Jerusalem. <clears throat> From Jerusalem. Where else? Judea. Where? Samaria. Where? Up to the ends of the, of the earth. Where is your Jerusalem? Where you live? Where you live is your Jerusalem. The, 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 the neighborhood. You are supposed to share the good news with your family, with your neighbors. And then you go to Judea. Why Judea? You, you go to Samaria. Um, to Samaria. Remember Samaria, Samaritans and Jews? No talking. You know, you look at prostitutes, you, you, you look at those people who you can cross a line to say them. But Jesus Christ is saying, go to them. Don't put a line. Who are these people? We sometimes say them, us. But as believers, Jesus Christ is saying, go to them. 
to the Samarians, the people we don't like, people of different religion. Maybe it's a cult. How do you come in and just engage them? So this passage is very special. We have read here, but when you go back home, just spend some time and see how God is speaking to you. How the Holy Spirit can use you to change the thoughts of people. Like I liked the preaching this morning. It was powerful. There are very many things that we cherish in this life. But we cannot find happiness. Happiness is the most expensive thing. Happiness is the most expensive gift one can give you. Who is, who is, a, who is that person who can give you that gift? It's God. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. So we are very excited to be here and just look at this passage and see how Paul was able to engage these folks. So you have a, a calling, my brother, my sister, to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. <laughs> it's always a little bit scary. It's always scary because you think, I don't know enough about the Bible. You think they're going to ask me things I can't answer. You're going to think, well, I don't think I'm, I'm memorized all the four spiritual laws and where to find them. Or that's not what he did at all. And so the question I want you to think about today and leave here with is, because what Paul did is he looked at what would good news be for these people at this time? Because we talk about sharing the good news and we automatically go back and say, it's that Jesus came and died for your sins. That is the best news in the universe. Unless I have no idea who that is. I'm going to be more sensitive to that because my family was not Christian. When I came to faith, it was a whole different experience for me than people that grew up around it. And so I get this down deep. So good news. My mom just came to faith four years ago. And what was good news to my mom? I think she always believed there was a God. I just don't think she ever believed that God could love her because she lived too bad a life. She thought it wasn't possible. He could love me, but not her. Good news to my mom was when she believed that this is a God who loves her. As you're going back through scripture, look at the way the good news was presented to the woman at the well, uh, Peter to the guys on the day of Pentecost. They share what is good news to these people. God has brought people across your path that are like me. And you think it's not possible because you're in the Bible Belt. I'm telling you, it's more and more possible every day that people don't know anything. And he brings them right around you. And so I want you to do exactly what Paul did. Don't be terrified about these temples and idols because you serve the only living God. You could stand right in front of an idol and not be terrified. You could look it all over and say, what is that thing? How does that work? I can ask questions about it. Because it's nothing. You serve the living God. And then think about who God has put in front of you and what is good news to them. 
Where are they struggling? What is their deepest need? What have you seen and watched? And where is the Holy Spirit already at work? So it becomes so much less terrifying because you're not creating a great big new plan. I'd be terrible at that. But I can follow where the Holy Spirit leads every day. I promise I will always take that next step and follow where I see him working. And that's all I do. We don't try and get him across the finish line. We don't try and do anything like that. But where is God at work? What is good news to this person? And how do we walk with them if they learn about that? How do we do that? And that's it, right? Oh, we have a few minutes. Do you guys have questions? Yes. <laughs> you can ask Francis anything you want. I have one. So <laughs> it's I love really the hard way you divided us up and we kind of read what we had. Do these countries have um, the Bible translated in their language on their cell phones? Um, <laughs> some, some do, some do. But so, for instance, uh, Francis just got some oral translations because in some areas there's not a lot of literacy. And so we're also okay. investing in oral Bibles. And that's nice. Isn't it? He, he can tell you stories. He's going to tell stories tonight at 5. I also, ha I also have uh, the pictures of these audio um, gadgets whereby they are fitted with the Yao because we are reaching out to the Yao uh, people groups so they can listen to uh, the, the whole Bible is there in their own language um, uh, because many of them are uh, illiterate. So that's not really on cell service, cell phone service. That's really just on an automate. Okay. Yeah. And some you can get on cell phone. We'll do MP3 files. It just depends on what do they have available, what will work on their phones, and what. Because some stuff we pass it on SIM cards. Uh -huh. It just depends on the cheapest and best way to get things out there. Yeah. Um, but also many people, uh, we, uh, many mission fields are in the villages. Uh, right. People don't have, some of them, they don't have cell phones. Uh -huh. Those who have cell phones don't have such services. Uh -huh. So we, uh, it's really very difficult. Yeah. Okay. So we do solar powered MP3 players. Yeah. That's great. Just behind here, there is solar power kind of. So they can just put on the sun and then it's charged. And then we also have traditional translations going on because a lot of people groups need the written word too. Yeah. And they don't have it in their own language yet. Do you see that in the future there's still a need for the written word? Or do you think mm -hmm. it's going towards just the. Both. Both. Yeah. Both. You need both, because some cultures are strictly oral cultures. Uh, it's one we understand probably less, but there's more and more and more literacy around the world, and the written word is very helpful for study. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little example of one of the areas that we visited? You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.